Welcome to the Walder Sportscast with your host, Chris Walder. It's Monday, March the 20th, 2023, and you are listening to episode 63. The Cody Clark literally played six minutes in the NBA with the Boston Celtics and called it a career. And yeah, we're now officially deep enough into this journey where I'm finding the most obscure players possible to wear these numbers, let me tell you. Of the Walder Sportscast, I'm your host, Chris Walder, and feel free to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports, and subscribe to the podcast while you're here. Give a rating and review if you like, helps the show out a ton. So this marks my fourth episode back doing the podcast. Uh, To those of you who've just joined me, thank you so much for doing so, and if you've been here since the beginning and tolerated my eight-month hiatus. I appreciate you sticking around. I'm having a lot of fun doing the show once again. I actually, not too long ago, got a text message from one of the groomsmen in my wedding. His name is Dale. Actively listens to the show. I'm hoping you're checking out today's show as well. And he was telling me how much more comfortable I sound doing the podcast. And I actually recently listened to some of my initial shows. And boy, they were rough. (laughs) At least to me, because I'm very hard on myself. But Hey, look at me now. I think I'm doing okay. But enough about me, of course. You're here from my guests. And on today's episode, I'll be joined by Karina Mustafa, a digital host for Homestand Sports, as well as the host of Court Time with Karina Mustafa and North of the Net on the Slice Media Network, a rising star in the Toronto sports media landscape. I said that the first time we recorded way back when in 2021, and now she's added even more to her packed schedule. Uh, We'll get into some hoops talk on today's program, some WNBA as well, because we have that big exhibition game coming up in a couple of months here in Toronto. I really enjoyed talking with Karina a few years ago, and a lot has changed since then. So I'm positive you guys will enjoy this interview coming up. So of course, stick around for that. And if you haven't already, Blake Murphy of Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590 The Fan was on with me during my last episode. Wrestling, Toronto Raptors basketball, the best of both worlds with one of the very best in Toronto sports media. Give it a listen and show Blake some love if you are one of the very, very, very few (laughs) who don't already follow him on Twitter. It's at Blake Murphy ODC on the Twitter sphere. With all of that being said, though, Karina Mustafa returns to the Walder Sportscast after this short break. So keep it locked. Perfect. is Karina Mustafa, a digital host for Homestand Sports, as well as the host of Court Time with Karina Mustafa and North of the Net. Follow her on Twitter at Karina Double M. Karina, welcome back to the podcast, my friend, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to do the podcast. I know you have a lot of exams and schoolwork on your plate at the moment. 
Yeah, thank you so much, Chris. It feels like it's been ages since the last time I came on. It's kind of crazy to think how much has changed. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say the last time I introduced you for one of our podcasts was back in 2021. And I remember wow. that you had an entirely different resume of roles in the industry <laughs> at the time. So I feel like keeping up to date on your career path is almost a full time job in its own right. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> well, I, I know you and I had the chance to talk briefly at a Twitter campaign a meeting several months ago so we did bump into each other uh, it was almost like a memoriam at the time because I think a lot of people were talking about the immediate future of Twitter with Elon Musk taking over are you surprised we're still around Karina on Twitter offering our hot takes because I feel like there's been a dozen or so times since then that we all thought the platform was going to go under Listen, after that Twitter event that we went to, it felt like everything just collapsed with the app, like after we went to the Twitter Canada headquarters. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a bit surprised that we're still on it. But at the same time, I still see that it's like not working to the potential that it is. But I think that people on Twitter will always find a way to get their tweets off no matter how much uh, destruction the app is currently going through. Did you have a backup plan in case Twitter did go down? Like, did you create a Hive account just as a side gig? I did not, no. If Twitter goes down, I'm just going to go outside and touch some grass. <laughs> there you go. Almost like that Simpsons episode where, like, the Krusty the Clown show and Itchy and Scratchy uh, became, you know, obsolete. And everyone went outside and started painting fences and playing sports <laughs> and everything. And I feel like that's the world we'll live in if, if Twitter uh, does eventually fall. But uh, first and foremost, Karina, again, thank you so much for doing the show. I kind of want to talk about your career path, too, because I did listen to our recent podcast, the one we did uh, a couple of years ago. And what kind of a roller coaster two years have you been on during this stretch? Because when we talked last, I listed you, and this is what this is straight from the podcast. I listed you at Unbench Sports. You were co-hosting the Shoot Your Shot podcast, and you were doing social media work for Raptors Cage. And now we fast forward to today, and it's an entirely different scale, an wow. entirely different list of rules. How did we get from there to here, Karina? Wow, like that's crazy to think about. Uh, I can't even like, whoa, like my brain is in shock right now. Um, <laughs> I don't know how we got here. Honestly, like, I think October 2021 was when, so now we're called Homestand Sports, but previously we were called The Parlay. And so that's when they originally reached out to me. And that's like, we didn't have a studio back then. Like, it was all filming from home. Like, the company was literally just getting started. And at the time, it was all, like, video content and sports betting content. And to be honest with you, I knew nothing about sports betting zero um right. and i was actually i almost said no but the reason that i decided to say yes to this opportunity well a is because i didn't really want to say no to a lot of opportunities that came my way because i'm still pretty early and trying to figure out like what space i fit in and what i'm good at and uh also because nor zainab was already working with them i was like if she's working with them it must be like it must be something good so i said yes and uh i started doing video content which is something that i had never really done before because previously like as you mentioned i was doing social media for raptors cage i was doing writing and podcasting for unbenched and that was kind of where I was at that moment. And I knew that someday, like, I might have an interest in being on air, but I hadn't really done anything to kind of get me any reps or practice or, like, my foot in the door. So, like, doing work with the parlay was my foot in the door, and now it's just, like, 
I've grown as the company has grown as well. And now we have like a studio and it's like kind of crazy to think that I have my own show court time where I cover my two favorite sports, basketball and tennis. But I just find like with every single video that I made for them that I just became so much more in love with doing digital content and like on air stuff that now I know that this is where my path is headed. Talk to me about what you and the team at Homestand Sports are trying to create, Karina, because obviously you mentioned Noor Zainab, a former guest of the podcast, as well as another former guest, Andrew Zuber. You have quite the team assembled there, and you have so many shows, like you mentioned, Court Time, which is your own show, and you've been doing live shows, I believe, as well at the Rec Room. It, it's so difficult to establish ground in sports media in general. So why should listeners and, and fans in general be checking you guys out? Give me the mission statement here. Yeah, I think it's just a fresher and more diverse look on sports coverage. I mean, we have our, you know, our big uh, sports broadcasters and those are great, but there's not a lot of opportunities for people who just want to go out there and have freedom with the type of content they put out. So like now we have like the homestand show, which covers a multitude of sports. Like we cover basketball, hockey. Um, I'm sure there's more sports, but I can't think of them in my head right now. But um, <laughs> it's just it's a it's a very unique group of people that were brought together that have experiences um, in different parts of the industry and have their own perspective on how they cover sports. And I think we work well together, we mesh well together as a group that it's just hearing different voices in the same ones that you're used to. And I think it's important to give more platforms in sport media than just the same old ones that we always hear. The transition of getting into sports betting and sports betting media in general, because obviously, you, like you said, you didn't have a background in that. I'm kind of, you know, getting into that myself with Bodog Canada, but I didn't have any history dealing with sports betting. When you first started talking about sports betting and giving your opinions on that front, what was that like for you? Was that an uncomfortable transition or did you slowly but surely learn more about that medium? It was weird. It was really weird because it was all these different terms like parlays and plus money and all of these like weird terms that I had never heard before because I literally had never bet on sports. And But I found that it allowed me to become creative in certain ways with the way that I was making content. Like I could still give my own analysis on the sport, but then use like the betting odds to back my analysis up. And I feel like that's the part where it added some credibility. Um, and then it kind of got to a point where I was like, there's only so much content you can make with sports betting um, to support it. And I think that's where like Homestand has now kind of carp um, segmented the types of con uh, content that we have. So like Homestand is all like non-sports betting content and we still have like the parlay as um, reserved specifically for that sports betting stuff. So I think there's room for sports betting content to be in the space, but I think now, as, especially as like the year has gone and we've seen it kind of, you know, become legal in Ontario and kind of blow up, we've seen that there still needs to be a sort of balance between how much of it is going into the content. But I will say though, it kind of, it got me to be a little bit uncomfortable in the sense of learning how to how to create my own content and learning how to do it in a way that I wasn't used to. And I felt like that gave me some extra skills as well, because now I feel like I can approach anything with, um, you know, a different mindset or not be stuck in my own ways and just kind of always learning.
Did you ever hit it big on one of these bets? Like, do you have like a secret stash of Scrooge McDuck money on the sidelines somewhere? Listen, Chris, okay. My parlays, okay, this is what I do. Especially for tennis, I'll put like at the beginning of every tournament, I'll make an ins- like insane parlays that are like 14 legs, like just money lines of people, of players that I think are going to win. And I put right. $1 on them. And I swear to God, they're always so close. Like I'll have like one leg that doesn't hit or two legs that don't hit, uh, which is heartbreaking. But I cannot see myself betting in a different way. Um, (laughs) Usually what I do is like I will make like NBA parlays too, but I'll cash out on those before uh, one of my legs can hit so that I just have enough money to keep going. But uh, yeah, I'm not like a serious better. I just make these like fun... um, It'd be awesome if they hit parlays, but (laughs) I'm just just having fun with it, you know. I'm the same way, you know. I can get carried away with those kinds of things, and especially with Toronto Raptors games, which we'll be talking about a little bit later in the show. I don't want to get too overboard. I know it can be addictive for some, but Karina, you also mentioned about balancing. And I want to talk a little bit about a proper work-life balance because I feel like that's very hard to come by when you're in sports media, like next to impossible to have. And then I, of course, look at your resume, which I mentioned earlier, and even I'm overwhelmed looking at the amount of work (laughs) that's on your plate on top of the fact that you're also in school. And so are you able to like find that balance in your own life, Karina, or is it just sports, sports, sports all of the time? Uh, I'll be honest, I recently started therapy to kind of figure out how to balance my life a little bit because it does get, like you said, like overwhelming at times where I have to balance watching sports all the time and staying on top of that because I need to do that for work and then also staying on top of all my academics because it's a fairly like rigorous program that I'm at. Um, And so it does get a little bit hectic at times, but I have like So first of all, I have like physical calendars all over my room, like in addition to my digital ones where I just like write all my to-do lists out. And I also kind of write what else I need to do that is not uh, school related or um, work related. So whether it's just like taking a break for this amount of time, like going to watch some TV, like whatever it is going outside for a walk, I make sure to like try to build in in that kind of time. Um, And I also... I also like used to like work out like three times a week before I got like violently sick like a month ago and still haven't fully recovered. Um, But yeah, no, it's it's fine. That's how that's how we move in this day and age, I guess. But um, (laughs) I like I used to work out like three times a week and, you know, that was a good way to get my uh, my body moving and like my mind off of all this. But like, yeah, it gets it gets tough, um, but it helps when the sports that I'm watching, that I really love them. Like I could watch tennis all day and watch basketball all day um, and just kind of figuring out like how to stay on top of them without missing too much. Is it possible to be in sports media and then just watch sports just for the pure joy and fandom of it? Or do you turn on a tennis match and turn on a basketball game and strictly just because that's how you may be programmed, watch it from a work perspective? Like, how can I use this and what I'm watching and transition it over to what I'm doing for my full time job? Yeah, I definitely my brain is wired a lot differently now in the way that I watch sports, but I feel like I haven't lost that passion yet. I think a little bit with basketball um sometimes i'll watch and my brain will just be thinking about like okay this is i need to notice all these little things but i feel like with tennis matches i still haven't lost like that fandom in me and i feel like i can still approach each match with like so much enthusiasm i don't know why 
compared to basketball like i feel like i don't watch the toronto raptors the same way like i used to like i used to get so emotional over the raptors <laughs> and now i feel nothing and i don't know if that's bad if that's good but i guess i've become somewhat objective maybe not i don't know because i didn't want to trade og at the deadline but <laughs> you know like it's just a different feeling watching like the raptors for example now than it has been in in past time but i don't know for tennis i still still got a little bit of fan in me which i think is good well, believe me, you're not the only Toronto Raptors fan out there that's become numb uh, to this regular <laughs> season, and we'll touch on that a little bit later on. Uh, but I remember, so I do my due diligence for, for all of my guests. I always try and deep dive as much as possible. And you and I talked about this on our last show, of course, when you were writing for Unbench Sports. You, you girls had this awesome tagline for the website, which was, quote, my pen is mightier than your dick. <laughs> and I, I still remember that from that website. And I brought that up again when we last talked. It, it it was so great to see an all-female team of writers put their minds together and create a website like that. And, you know, talking about females in this industry, you had this great video recently where you were talking with Nur Zainab about being a female in sports media. I feel like, personally, we're seeing some positive changes and growth on that front. But you obviously have a different perspective yourself, Karina, because you are a woman in the field. So are, are you seeing that yourself? Are there slowly but surely becoming more opportunities and respect for women in sports media? Or do we still have a ways to go on that front? I know I'm biased, but I think the amount of women that work at Homestand Sports, to me, is special. Because I don't know how how much diversity within the women as well that you would see in typical workplaces. And I feel like I've been kind of blessed to be surrounded by so many women that I work with. Um, I'm trying to think, I think it's pretty equal at homestand between men and women, which is nice. Cause like we all get to work with each other and see how hardworking we are. So when I'm there, I feel like there's so much progress being made. But then when I step outside of the homestand bubble, I'm like, oh, it's still kind of rough out here. Not gonna lie. Right. Um, whether it's like the way people are in my comments on Twitter, um, whether it's just like other women tearing each other down too, which is sad um that's some that's kind of the stuff i see sometimes and i don't know just there's still so much to go like for me like the whole like international women's day uh all female uh broadcasts were happening this year again but then again they just felt like a token where it was like okay so now that it's not international women's day where are the women like are we still giving them the same opportunities or are we just propping them up on that one day because we want to seem progressive so i feel like that kind of stuff is still there but that being said like i still think there's been a lot of progress made because you can only move forward um and i don't feel like we're like stagnant or moving backwards so in that sense it has been good is there ever a reluctance sending out what, what may be considered a hot take on Twitter because you are a female? Because again, I, I don't have that sort of a, a mindset being a man. I don't, I don't get a lot of people coming at me on, on that regard. But being a woman in sports media, and I've seen a lot of people talk about this on social media, that if they say something that plenty of people may not agree with, a lot of people will attack them simply because they're a female. Do you see that personally or just from others you may be following on Twitter? Oh, yeah. And honestly, it's a big reason why I don't tweet 
as many hot takes or opinions as much anymore because I've found like sometimes I'll get a reaction that is just not normal human interaction and it's just not worth it at that point. Twitter being um, uh, destructive now is also has also helped with me not feeling like I have to tweet yeah. as much anymore. Um, but even just like, even if not, not only the hot takes, like if I tweet that I like, like a male player, but like, so like one time I remember I tweeted like Josh Giddy is like so interesting to me. And I meant it as a player, but I got all these replies saying that I like him or like I think he's attractive and all of that. And that's why like I like him. And I just looked at that and I was like, you would never respond that way if a man had tweeted that they liked Josh Giddy or that they were interested in like his game. And I just find like even responses like that are still rooted in a very like sexist way that I it's it's the other side of like it's not only attacking you for hot takes, but it's also kind of sexualizing the way that you see like men's sports. Well, we, st we still have a long ways to go on that front again. I, I see that recurring far too often on Twitter, people going after female reporters and sports media analysts, and I kind of apologize on behalf of our gender, because it, it we try and keep Twitter as safe an environment as possible, and I feel like the moment that someone says something that somebody doesn't, dis like someone doesn't agree with, everyone kind of swarms on that front, but being a female in sports media must be infinitely harder to do that, and I have talked with people in the field on that front as well, and they've had similar sentiments, but again, does it ever get to the point where you simply want to take yourself off of the platform or are you just trying to rise above that uh yeah there's definitely been moments where i'm like i want to wipe twitter from my life um but knowing that no my career is still on here so i can't exactly do that but yeah it's it's tough i mean honestly i'm just like learning to be careful about what i tweet but also just have a good balance of it is just Twitter at the end of the day. And if somebody's be like somebody commented on my profile picture the other day and was like, thank God ladies have eyebrows again. I was like, what? What? Like, like I couldn't, I couldn't believe my like, eyes. It was just, I, yeah, it's just weird, weird stuff. And it's always like the random accounts that somehow find your tweets and feel like they need to give their opinion on it. Like dumb troll, one, two, three, four, five. Karina Mustafa of Homestand Sports here with me on the Walder Sportscast today. Uh, Karina, a little bit of a transition, but an important day coming up in a couple of months. May 13th, 2023, Scotiabank Arena. Pretty monumental day as the Chicago Sky and Minnesota Lynx will be in town. The first ever WNBA game in the country. And obviously you do a great deal of work covering and following the league in your own right. Karina, what was that moment like for you personally when you heard that the WNBA was going to have a game in Toronto and your overall reaction to what has certainly been an overwhelming level of support to the announcement? Because based on what we've been seeing online, tickets for that exhibition game went incredibly fast. Oh, yeah. First of all, I entered Ticketmaster like 10 minutes after pre-sale went up and the tickets were disappearing in front of my eyes and I was in class. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know how, but I was able to grab two tickets in the lower bowl just in case like my credential doesn't work out. And if my credential does work out, then I'll have two tickets to give away um, to anybody who wants to go because it is really entirely sold out. Um, but I'm so excited. Like, I, I think this is a great stepping stone to have more preseason games games in Toronto because I know everybody's like I want a team like I want a team like and yeah like this has shown that Toronto would definitely be able to support a team I just think that there are a couple of issues that the league itself needs to figure out um in terms of uh 
like how many how many roster sizes there are um, on each team, like commercial flights, like all that. I think there's a lot of issues that need to be solved before a team comes here. But that being said, let's have more preseason games in Toronto every year because then you'll see like that will build the case for, okay, now we're finally ready to bring a team here. Um, I'm really excited that it's sold out completely because now I can say to anybody who goes on Twitter with their Twitter fingers and is like, nobody watches the WNBA, like who, who? I'm like, <laughs> okay, sure, the Toronto game sold out in 15 minutes, but go off, you know. That's, so that's nice. <laughs> well, I, I, f- I feel like we've been hearing rumors of the WNBA possibly expanding to Toronto for, for many, many years now. And this, like you said, could be an all-important step towards making that happen. And, and if the initial response to this game is any indication, Toronto could certainly be a viable home for a new franchise. Do you see it that way, Karina? Like, are we simply counting down the, the months and years to an inevitable expansion here in Canada? Well, so the commissioner of the W, Kathy Engelbert, she's been hinting at it for a long time now. Um, I think that this shows that we can support it and that we want to support it. I mean, summer basketball in Toronto would be absolutely the best thing ever. Um, But at the same time, that date keeps getting pushed back. So I think it's like 2025 now or 2026. I can't remember what it was. that we can start to consider that expansion. So I'm a little bit worried, not to like rain on everybody's parade, but like I'm a little bit worried on that um, side of the floor. But I think in terms of like the roots of can Toronto support a basketball team? Do we want a basketball team here? Yes, like the answer is yes. And I think as many, like get as many preseason games in Toronto as possible to keep keep proving that. Do you have any good ideas for what a, a team name for a Toronto WNBA squad would be because I've heard Huskies tossed around by some on, spo- on social media, but I feel a name would be more original than like simply digging into the past. Do you have any suggestions on that front, Karina? Well, see, I'm guilty of that because I thought the Huskies would be a great <laughs> name. Uh, and part of that is like, I wish the Raptors would bring back the Husky jerseys because I really love those. Um, yes. But yeah, no, I mean, I think get... We have to, maybe, yeah, maybe we should think of a new name, but it has to be really, really good. Like, it has to be better than Huskies, because otherwise it's just not going to be worth it. And I know picking names is hard, but uh, I don't know. Like, it'd be cool to have, like, to include some North aspect into it, especially since it would be the only W team in Canada. I remember some of the names that the Raptors uh, were being considered for. It was like tarantulas and, and hogs and like some really weird Stop. names like that. What? Yeah, it was brutal. Yeah, well, Raptors got picked because of the Jurassic Park movie, for anyone who doesn't know that. But yeah, some of the other alternatives were, were pretty horrible. Nothing tarantulas? really Canadian standing out. Yeah, Toronto oh tarantulas. Could you be rooting for a team called the Tarantulas, Karina? Or is that just too off-putting? Never, never in my life. Sorry, guys, but no. <laughs> Not your cup of tea, eh? Uh, no, no spiders. No, no. No spiders? <laughs> well, again, hopefully the WNBA uh, comes as a, as a full-blown franchise. I think that would be great for the city, and I agree with you. I think fans here in Toronto would, would definitely support it like they do all their teams. But, but Karina, before we move forward here, I do have a semi-recurring segment here on the podcast. It's, it's simple in execution, but difficult to master. It's likely or unlikely. I'm going to throw some scenarios at you and you tell me if it's likely or unlikely and explain why. Sound good? Gotcha. Likely or unlikely, Karina, Jakob Pertl, Gary Trent Jr., and 
Fred Van Vliet will all be a part of the Toronto Raptors opening day roster next season? Uh, unlikely. <laughs> Just because uh, they're all going to have to get paid. And I don't, I, I'm not an expert on the money side of it, but I don't, I think, I think Fred's up for, I think they're all up for an extension this summer. Um, yes. So I think it'd be tough to fit all of them. Who gets let go? I don't know. I think it'll depend on like how they all play. I think it's safe to assume that Jakob may not be leaving us anytime soon, or at least I think it would be dumb if they let go of him, but uh, we'll see. How would you prioritize those free agents, Krina? Because ideally to some, you keep all three, but perhaps you focus on one in particular, move on from the others, see what pieces you can juggle into something more this summer. Who would you turn your attention to most in order to keep them as a Raptor? Would it be Pirtle? Uh, yeah, to me, it would be Pirtle because you've at least somewhat solved the center issue on this roster. Um, and I think moving forward, I think Fred's actually improved a lot as uh, being in the point guard position. So we'll see. I think he might be a priority just because like, I don't know what's out there that would be better than what we have. That's my issue um, when it comes to like which guys to keep and which guys not to keep because it all depends on who you're who you're going to be able to go out there and get so if you think you can get a better point guard than fred go for it if you think you can get a better shooter than gary go for it um i'm sorry that may sound like cold but like i said i've heard <laughs> numb about the raptors and i i only have like an emotional attachment to like pascal and og at this point and okay and i guess Jakob a little bit but yeah. I know we're kind of going off course here, but like you said, being numb to this Raptors season, has this season overall been a difficult watch? Because I feel like Toronto fans have been spoiled by this franchise for far too long. We've had so many winning seasons, so many playoff runs, and now we are in, it's facing some adversity. There's no real assurance that we will get into the playoffs. We're, we're kind of vying for a play-in. Has this season just, I mean, outside of you having to watch the team for work, as a fan, has it been disheartening to see the team kind of succumb to their problems like this um not really just because once you have an idea of the expectations that should be set for this team whatever they do is not really a disappointment so like that's my issue where people will see them get together a couple of wins and all of a sudden i'm seeing tweets on the timeline like i want a raptors versus celtics around one matchup and i'm like what like what are we doing here no um and as long as you keep your expectations low like this group is really talented like don't get me wrong like everyone on this on this team is a really really good basketball player but sometimes you just need an extra piece or something else and things aren't meshing well together and you have to understand that even if they make the playoffs like what are they gonna do so if they don't make the playoffs then it is what it is but i think until Masai is able to pull off another, you know, Kawhi-like move, which I'm not saying it'll be of that magnitude, but until something else is going to shake up this roster a little bit, um, or even if it's like a coaching change, I don't know what will work. Um, but just manage your expectations. Like, yes, we did get a championship like four years ago now, which is kind of insane piece of words to say, but uh, the things worked out to fit all the puzzle pieces for that year. And uh, that's very rare. And I and I don't think we should take that for granted. But uh, it's time to move on. And uh, it's time to uh, face face the facts of what this team actually is. And yeah, they could be really good. But also, there's a lot that needs to be done until then. I see where your mindset is right now. Expect nothing and then everything is a bonus at that point. You can't be disappointed if you have no expectations in the first place, Karina. Exactly. I mean, they won last night and against the Timberwolves and... 
that was great because I didn't have any expectations going into that. They could have won that like they did or they could have lost it like like the worst thing ever. So, you know, wins and losses. <laughs> <laughs> Likely or unlikely, Karina. And boy, has this debate taken on a life of its own on, spo- on social media and TV with sports talk shows as well. Joel Embiid will overtake Nikola Jokic as the favorite and take home NBA Most Valuable Player honors at the end of the season. <laughs> I love this question because I've always been like a let's enjoy both of them type of person. But um, I'll say I'll say likely that Embiid takes it um, just because based on like all the NBA reporters, the talented NBA reporters that I follow, um, it seems like Jokic's level has dropped a little bit and Embiid has uh, raised his level. So I'll say right now Joel's leading, um, but I don't really care who gets it. To be honest, like they're both extremely talented players. I mean, one's a walking triple-double and the other one's um, somebody that you just cannot score against. So there's that. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like there's a recency bias too. Like Philadelphia is on this incredible winning streak. You're hearing more of Embiid's name being bantered about on Twitter. And, you know, Denver's kind of falling off. They have a below 500 record on the road, which is kind of surreal for a team at the top of a conference. I feel like if this keeps up, Embiid may run away with this. But again, some people are gung-ho that Jokic is the, the best player this season. I mean, listen, I think whoever gets it will deserve it. Um it's it's always so interesting to me when like one player gets it and the other player is like I was snubbed. Ho, ho, ho. I'm like okay, sure. <laughs> I mean maybe you were, but also I don't know. It's at the end of the day, you know if you were the MVP on your team. Like it should be to me MVP should be very clear, and when it isn't clear, that's when things get a little bit muddy. Well, this is a very interesting one, likely or unlikely, and I would love to hear your perspective on this. And it's interesting in the sense that there isn't currently a team like we discussed earlier, but a Canadian WNBA team will win the championship before the Toronto Raptors win their second, Karina. (laughs) I love this question. Hmm... Uh, I will say unlikely, just because I got to preserve some of my belief in this Raptors team. I don't know. I would like to see, I would like to see another championship with Pascal on this roster. So that's why I'm saying the Raptors will first. And just thinking about like, even if they did expand uh, a, a W team to Toronto, like how, how there would be some time until an expansion team is good enough to, to get there. Um, so yeah, I will, I will say it's unlikely that a, that a WNBA uh, Canada team gets a championship before the Raptors. God, I hope that's unlikely. <laughs> Is there another Kawhi Leonard trade on the horizon here? Because I feel like, like you said, we have to get a superstar in town to really become a contender, but those are few and far between. They don't become available that steadily like that. I hope so. Um, I'm not a GM, so it's not the pressure's not on me, but I sincerely hope so. <laughs> Well, fingers crossed that Scotty Barnes takes that next leap. You know, he's been my cash cow on Twitter uh, the last couple of years, and I really hope he can become the elite star for this Raptors squad. But just like you are an elite guest here on the Walder Sportscast, Karina, again, I thank you so much for your time. But before I let you go, my friend, we do have some fun questions to send you on your way, including an interesting Twitter question, uh, which you may have already seen. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. So this question comes from at Omer Osman 200 on Twitter, Karina. (laughs) 
Would you rather have dinner with Jeannie Bouchard or $50,000, Karina? I'm so sorry, Jeannie. <laughs> I'll take the $50,000. <laughs> I need the money. I'm a struggling student, okay? Living in Toronto, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry, well, Jeannie. You would have more knowledge about this. I, Jeannie Bouchard, not a name you hear much anymore in the news. It's more so like based on social media and what have you. What's your perspective on Jeannie Bouchard? Again, from someone who doesn't really follow tennis to a great deal. Yeah, she hasn't really played a bunch in the last, like, I would say six or seven years. Um, she had this really, I don't know if you remember this at all, but she had a bad concussion about seven years ago. I, I can't remember what the, the number uh, the number of years was, but she had, she got a bad concussion while on tour. Like, she slipped in the locker room, and I think ever since then, she hasn't really made... Um, a proper return to tennis. I'm not. I don't. I'm not saying that's the reason, but just like in terms of timeline, um, her biggest accomplishment was making the Wimbledon final. I forget which year. It might have been like 2011 or something like that. Um, and so she she was at one point somebody who I think Canadian tennis fans thought was going to be a really big deal, and it hasn't really panned out that way. And I think you know, obviously, like that's okay. Like I don't think we should be placing so much pressure on on uh, on players and stars like that. Um, and plus now we have four Canadians in tennis who are doing really well right now. One literally has won a grand slam and Bianca Andreescu with the U S open. So I think, you know, it's okay if certain careers don't pan out, there's so many different factors that I go into being a professional athlete. Uh, and yeah, so I'm, I don't know, I'm not really disappointed in her at all. Um, I think life is life and that happens and we're getting all philosophical today. <laughs> <laughs> well, do, do you have some female and, and male tennis talents that are maybe flying under the radar at the moment that you feel someone like me who doesn't regularly watch tennis should be buying stock in? Like who are some of those names I should be checking out outside of obviously the major stars of the sport? Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about, so right now the biggest tournament going on is Indian Wells. Um, the final is actually being played today uh, for both the women and the men. And uh, the men's final is between is between Daniil Medvedev and Carlitos Alcaraz. Both are names that maybe you've heard by now, maybe you haven't. Um, Carlitos Alcaraz is probably like the next Rafa Nadal, if not even better. Um, he, he already, he's already reached the world number one. He's already won a grand slam and he, he's like, he's younger than me. I think, I think he's like 18 or 19 or something. Jeez. Yeah, I know. It's kind of nuts. I, I'm reaching that part where like the young stars are starting to actually be younger than me. Like Scoot Henderson, like in uh, G League is younger than me. And that was a trip to find <laughs> out. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, Carlitos had just beat Yannick Sinner, who's a young Italian player. I think he's going to be really good. Like he's he's put a couple of uh, uh, matches under his belt, like throughout the last couple of years, that shown that he can be a solid threat. Um, on the women's side, it's funny because I think this is the most parity that women's tennis has had in a while, um, especially now that Serena's retired and the closest like level of dominance we've seen is Iga Swiatek. But if you think about the player that just beat her the other day, Elena Rybakina. Um, who beat Iga at the Australian Open this year um, and seems to be like Iga's, I don't know, like kryptonite. Like, I don't know what the proper 
uh, term is, but Elena Rabakina right. won Wimbledon last year. She's really young. She was like, I first had my eye on her when she beat Serena Williams. She's really young. She's she's like, and I told this to some of my friends the other day, she's like the Kawhi Leonard of tennis. She's like, she has Ooh. very, yes, like she's very ice cold in her demeanor. Um, she doesn't have a lot of like big celebrations or big frustrations. Like you can't really see the emotions on her face, but she's so rock solid at tennis. And I think she's going to become one of the best women's tennis players in the next like couple of years i was waiting for the Kawhi comparison of does she have giant hands because i feel like that's a signature of Kawhi leonard karina i think she does because she's pretty tall she's like over six feet tall she's yeah she's a giant so i think she does oh geez all right i gotta check her hands out this is a big deal <laughs> again i need to put some stock into some of these players you know i gotta make some bets and uh make some money along the way of course but uh, <laughs> yeah. in the past karina I've, I've asked guests on my podcast what they're currently binge watching uh, on on television, Netflix, you name it. But now I'm going to mix it up a bit because I see quite often on your Twitter that you post Spotify songs or playlists or whatever you're listening to. So I'm curious, what's currently taking over your Spotify playlist or however you're listening to music? What are your songs of the moment, Karina? Yeah, so yesterday I was tweeting out a bunch of links because I was studying for like five straight hours. Um, so I had my study playlist on and I have a lot of like chill songs in there. Um, I gotta be careful. Like I listen to a lot of Black Bear, but the thing is, I love his songs so much that I end up just like going crazy to them and completely lose <laughs> focus of what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, I got a little bit of like Khalid in my playlist. Um, I love listening to like Tate McRae. She's like she's a she's a young Canadian uh, pop star who's I think she's my age or maybe a year younger, like 20 or 19. Um, her yeah i love her music so much my my music taste is not really like it's like kind of random but uh i like like some jeremy zucker noah khan guys go listen to noah khan okay i've been with him since like he first entered the artist space and he was so small and i've watched him like blow up into this really really big artist and he's only getting bigger um, so if you want to say you're like kind of an OG or kind of like a day five, I won't say day one because uh, I'm the day one, day but, five. <laughs> <laughs> but go listen to Noah Khan because like he has like kind of like indie folk type music that just like really hits with you emotionally. And uh, yeah, I, I've gone to see him in concert uh, once and I'm going again in September because I just can't get enough of him. But yeah, that's my uh, that's my recommendation. Do you have a song of his that you would recommend uh, to a newbie like me? Anything I should be downloading right now? I uh, see. I would say go listen to everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely go listen to like some of his old albums first. Um, I can't remember the name of it right now, but like Title is a really good song of his. Um, so yeah, go listen to that. Well, again, God bless LinkedIn. So I can dive into the past a little bit again as well. Your history as a karate instructor at the <laughs> Northern Karate School back in 2017-18. You were leading classes with children and adults. And I'm curious, Karina, is there anything that you took away from your experience teaching karate that has helped you in the sports media world? And I don't mean high kicks or chops because I'm <laughs> confident you're not doing that to anyone right now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I, I really love that question because the answer is absolutely yes. Like when I, so I started karate when I was 10 years old and 
I, for the majority of my life, like, I was a really shy kid. Like, I had a lot of social anxiety. I was, I didn't really like talking to people. I was very quiet. Um, and once I started doing karate, I think that's kind of when I found my voice, especially as I got older. And, like, doing karate while I was going through, like, middle school and high school, I think was really important for me because, like, those are transformative years, like, when you're a teenager and you're going through so much. Um, and I think starting to lead classes once I got my black belt, and being in charge of like groups of children and groups of uh, teenagers and groups of adults, I think was very big for me because I before I used to be too scared to like even speak that loudly. And I think that's translated to my confidence when it comes to doing on air stuff or podcasts, because I think when I was a kid, I wouldn't even have imagined that I would be doing something like this one day. And I think karate played a really big role in getting my confidence and helping me helping me grow up really um that's what it really helped a lot and it helped with discipline as well too and lastly karina before i let you go i I go deep with my final question here on the podcast get very philosophical if social media were to disappear forever no more twitter instagram not even any more video content we'll go broad spectrum here what's the one thing you would want your followers to most remember you for i would want them to remember me for my love of tennis because I will spread the gospel of tennis all day long and hopefully they continue to watch it even if I'm not being annoying about it on social media. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so cool that you have your own show that covers basketball and tennis, like the two loves of your life. That's very They've given me me too much freedom, Chris. Like they let me do whatever I want and I'm like, okay, cool. I will take this very far then. Well, freedom is all what the Walder Sportscast is about. Again, I loved your answers here today. I don't want to keep you too long because you are a student. You got some major exams coming up, and I thank you so much for your time, taking time out of your day to talk with me today, Karina. But before I let you go, remind the listeners where they can find you and your work on the web. Yeah, so you can find me on the crippling app of Twitter.com at KarinaMM. Um I, my followers have started to grow more, which is kind of cool. I think I just passed like 3,600 followers. Um, may seem like superficial, but I just think, I don't know, it's kind of cool when people are like reading your work, seeing your work, watching your work, supporting you. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty grateful for that until the Twitter app finally burns down. But if the Twitter app burns down, you can follow me on Instagram at Krina Mustafa. Um, that's my professional account where I, I'm trying to post more on it now that other social media apps are kind of going down the drain. <laughs> Karina, this was a lot of fun. Let's not wait two years again to do this uh, and record <laughs> another show. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. Thank you so much, Chris. I can't believe it's been two years. <laughs> and that was my interview with Karina Mustafa, Karina double M on Twitter. We talked briefly before recording and she was telling me of her exams and essays that she had to complete. And man, I'm glad I'm no longer in school. (laughs) That part of my life is over, but I wish Karina well with all of that and juggling everything on her plate. She's definitely putting in the work, and her videos with Homestand are tremendous, so give them a watch and give her your support because she's certainly earned it. This has been episode 63 of the Walder Sportscast. If you haven't already, leave a rating and review if you enjoyed today's podcast. Takes little of your time, but really does go a long way towards helping me end the show out. I want to make this podcast bigger and better with every given episode, and I'm well on my way towards doing that. So thank you so much for the support, and stay tuned for more interviews in the very near future. Now that's another one in the books. Check me out on Twitter and Instagram at Waldersports, and I'll see you on the next episode. 
Thank you for listening to the Walder Sportscast. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes and follow Chris on both Twitter and Instagram at Walder Sports.